what you can do is utilize the get pregnant in no time formula to identify your fertile window perfectly to avoid getting pregnant. In the meantime, you're not masking your cycle. You're not harming your fertility. In fact, you're getting to know the ins and outs of your fertility like you never even knew was possible so that when it comes the time that you are ready to go for having your babies, you already know your fertility like the back of your hand and you are in your full power and self-authority when it comes to your own body and your own fertility. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Are you currently 30 years old or maybe even 35 and older and you haven't begun to start a family yet and you're curious about your fertility and want to know what to do to get your body primed and ready for a baby when the time feels right? Or maybe you're someone who isn't interested in having kids but wants to understand how fertility is connected to longevity and women. At 40 years old, my fertility is on my mind and it's my focus right now. I always knew I was gonna start a family later in life. I always knew that I wanted to follow my passion in women's health and start my career and also find a partner that supported a vision for a family after we traveled and built a life together. My partner and husband, Alex, we've been together for nine years now and we have had many epic adventures. Now, just between you and I, Alex is also six years my junior. That way, he can keep up with me. Just kidding. He is literally my favorite person in the world, and I am so excited to embark on this new journey together. As I got closer to 39 years old, pretty much last summer, I began to seek guides and experts on fertility for women 35 years and older. I was interested in the research behind reversing reproductive aging and upgrading my epigenetics so that my future baby had the best epigenome. Because let's be honest, as future mamas or mamas who are trying to get pregnant, we always want the best for our babies and our family. I also researched the importance of fertility as one of many important gauges in our overall health, especially in our 30s and 40s. That's why the conversation around our menstrual cycle and the importance of it as a key indicator and a vital sign is so, so important. We've got to understand that our menstrual cycle and how it runs and how it functions is a key indicator to our overall longevity. So even if we're not trying to get pregnant, I mean, ever, we still want to make sure that our menstrual cycle is healthy and fully functioning. Now, in my research, I discovered an incredible scientist and woman's advocate, Dr. Cleopatra. This amazing woman is one of the most passionate, smartest women I know, and I am blessed to have her on my journey with me to share her brilliance with you today. I invited Dr. Cleopatra to clear the air about infertility and to share her cutting edge research on reversing reproductive aging and how to create super babies by helping mamas upgrade their epigenetics. And no surprise, it starts by lowering our perceived stress response system along with healing trauma. You are in for such a treat today. 
Now, before I bring Dr. Cleopatra on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Dr. Cleopatra is the fertility strategist and executive director of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. She is a scientist and university professor specializing in fertility, pregnancy, and how health is transmitted from one generation to the next. To date, she's received $3 million in grant funding from the National Institute of Health, the National Science Foundation, and other foundations. Dr. Cleopatra has been cited in over a thousand research articles, and she teaches women about the primester, the magic and powerful window of opportunity before pregnancy, when we literally have the power to change the quality and expression of our genes that we pass down to our babies and grandbabies. Using science-based, big-hearted, trimester protocols that she's defined and refined, Dr. Cleopatra is literally changing the way women do reproductive health, specifically in reversing reproductive aging. She shows women how to get pregnant quickly and easily, how to reduce miscarriage risk, and finally have the super baby they've always dreamed for, for as long as they could remember. So without further ado... Let's welcome Dr. Cleopatra onto the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Dr. Cleopatra. How are you doing today, my dear? I'm so great. So excited to be here with you, Dr. Marisa, and your beautiful community. Well, you and your brilliance. We've been waiting to do this for so long. You are my go-to guru when it comes to all things fertility, pregnancy, and reproduction. But I know that you work with a lot of mamas who are struggling with fertility, or maybe even they're getting older and they're wanting to start a family. And so what I want to do before we kick off all the questions and really get into this, I get so many questions from women all the time in this area. But I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about, you know, I know you love babies. I know you love being a mom. Like it, it permeates in who you are. Tell me, what was that defining moment, Dr. Cleopatra, when you knew this was the work that you wanted to do in the world? I think it was at birth, Dr. Marisa. I lost my mother at birth and it was as if in that moment, what I was supposed to be doing with my life was just handed to me. And somehow, even as a very young girl, I can remember as early as five and six years old, I don't remember a whole lot about my childhood, but I can remember being so obsessed with moms and women who would become moms one day and just really looking at them so closely. Why don't they look very happy? What is it that they need? What do they need help with? What's different about the ones who do look happy and who look like they're just flowing so easily through all of it? I wanted to know. I was asking these questions. I was already becoming the scientist that I am today without even realizing it. And I never looked back. I went as soon as I turned 18, I went to the University of Miami. I went right into a a scientific laboratory. I started studying fertility and pregnancy. I started developing what we call today the Primester and the Primester Protocol. And it's just what I've dedicated my life to. Mm, I love it. Oh my goodness. That is such such a powerful story, like that kind of that deep knowing and that you've helped so many women usher beautiful babies into this world, including your own, which I just love. They are so, so special. 
I want to talk a little bit about your work because, you know, you have done some incredible work. You've done work that's really kind of shifted science when it comes to fertility and understanding, you know, women at birth and, and throughout the whole process. So can you speak to me a little bit about what is the Primester? Absolutely. Our goal at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute and really my life's mission is to understand that our fertility is one of the highest forms of activism available to us as human beings. It's one of the most important windows of opportunity we have as human beings and that we will ever have in our lifetime. And really it's an act of rebellion as women and female identifying persons to be able to have both the life and the family that we have always dreamt of having. There are all these societal messages that you have to sacrifice one for the other, that you, can, you can't have it all. And really, I want us to rebel as women and as female identifying people in that way. So the primester is where it all begin, begins. The primester is the time leading up to pregnancy, and it is the most powerful window of opportunity we will ever have because it's during this time that we can change our epigenetic expression. So we, are, we have the DNA we're going to have. We can't change that, but we can change the way that our DNA express themselves and the quality of our DNA, and that's what we call our epigenome. We have the power to change our epigenetic expression during the primester so that we can pass that improved epigenetic expression down to our babies and grandbabies. And we teach that the primester is at least 120 days because there are a number of different scientific reasons and pathways, including egg development and the final stages of egg maturation, as well as sperm development and other aspects of uterine health and the immune system, that you want it to be at least 120 days, but it can be longer. So we do see a dose-response relationship of primestering to the outcomes of our babies and having our super babies specifically. Hmm. And what are some of the things that we can be doing in our trimester, like to shift that epigenetics? I know clearly healing maternal lines, working on our emotional well-being, working also on our overall health and wellness. But speak to me about what, what are some of the things we can do to really shift and upgrade our epigenetics for our baby? I love that so much. Upgrade our epigenetics. I'm going to have to borrow that one from you. It's so good. So what I want to say is that when we talk a lot at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute about having our super babies, and when my clients first started using this term and they're the ones who came up with it, I was a little bit resistant because I felt like it had embedded in it social comparison. Like if I have a super baby, that means that my baby's better than someone else's baby or her baby's better than somebody else's baby. But what I did adopt was you get to have your super baby, not a super baby, but your super baby. When you get to have your super baby, you get to have the healthiest, happiest, brightest, and most well-adjusted baby that you can possibly have given your genetics, the genetics of the other person, 
creating the baby with you and the epigenetic expression that you are able to shape. So I just want to clarify what I mean when we talk about having our super babies. So the way that we create, we upgrade our epigenome to create our super babies is we think of fertility as a complex network. And we represent this complex network as the fertility triangle. It has five levels. I'll just walk you through the levels and then I can give you an example of the kinds of things that we we create this epigenetic change we, we use to create epigenetic change at each of these levels. So the first level is the psychological or even more specifically psychosexual. So having to do with our psychology, our sexuality, our sensuality. The next level is bioecological. And that has to do with biology as well as the ecological context, which is the external environment and how the external environment comes into us essentially. The next level is what we call neuroimmunology. So that has to do with the brain and the immune system. And then the next level is social and the level after that is cultural. So let me give you an example at the base of the fertility triangle. And the base of the fertility triangle, the first two levels really is where we spend most of our time in the trimester. So the farther we get from the base, the less time we spend at that level of the fertility triangle. So at the base of the fertility triangle, at the psychosexual level, one of our mantras that we teach as part of the trimester protocol is as many moments of every day as possible, I want you to step out of stress, out of emergency, out of trauma, and into peace and pleasure. Well, we hear peace and pleasure, and we might think that sounds really cute. Are those really an essential? Are those really essential ingredients for life? Are those really essential ingredients for fertility? The answer is yes, they are. In fact, what I would say to you is that you want to treat pleasure as if your fertility depends on it because it does. So the way that we evolved as human beings is to ensure above and beyond everything else, our survival. And the same parts of our brain and our body, particularly our stress response system that are involved in our safety are involved in reproduction. So what this means is that when our brain and body perceive us to not be safe, they will put reproduction on the back burner in order to prioritize our survival. So we really have to be out of stress and out of emergency and out of trauma, including out of old traumas that we may be reliving in order to be able to prioritize reproduction both getting pregnant and staying pregnant. So that's one example at the base of the fertility triangle. And it is, I can imagine for a lot of women, not an easy kind of step into stepping away from perceived stress. Maybe they don't even realize they're dealing with stress or not realizing that they're, they're dealing with some big trauma or even little traumas. Are there ways in which you kind of help? I mean, clearly in the Institute, I know that's a big part of it, especially if at the base, this is one of the biggest things to focus on, ways to help women kind of not only identify, but then also how to ease them into the more the ease and grace and pleasure phase throughout the day, opposed to always being on the go, managing constant obligations and doing all the things that women do all the time. Yes. Amen to all of that, Dr. Marisa. And 
you'll, you understand this, both you and I are incredibly energetic, driven, ambitious women. And so many of the women we serve at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute are as well. That's why they are waiting to have children until they're a little bit older because they've stayed in school longer. They've focused on their careers. They're waiting for the right partner, their prince, their princess, or their non-binary regal person. They're waiting to have a certain amount of money in the bank to own a home, whatever it may be. And you can imagine this is this is the way we live today in Western society and especially this segment of the of Western society that's going, 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 always striving for more. And I think what's really interesting about that is we're starting to have more and more conversations that that's a very masculine approach to life in many Yes, it is. Right? It is. It, it is. And I think women are really navigating that that masculine versus feminine approach because I feel like this is the first time I think you and I can speak to where women are really being able to create their life by design. But we I still I think we're navigating how we do that on like our terms and our femininity. I would say even most of the books written by women on success and career and entrepreneurship has a masculine tone because it's we we learn from men, you know, on how to do these things. I remember growing up, my mom always had her little power suits on and she had this little power block. She was always going somewhere. I don't know where she was going half the time, but she was going somewhere. And I was like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) Someone who is literally on the move. (laughs) (laughs) On the move and we exhaust ourselves. I mean, exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. (laughs) It is exhausting. So listen, here's the good and the bad news. Choice. We, it is a unique time in the history of our world for women in that we have more choice than ever, which we welcome and we want. I'm 100% Egyptian. A large proportion of my family, my extended family still live in Egypt. And I watch my, my female cousins and they are smart and beautiful and awesome and amazing. And they don't get to have the same level of choice that we get to have just because we live here in the Western world, in the United States, in the free world. So I am not knocking choice. I'm so grateful for choice and I will take it every single day of the week, even with all of its complexities. The the bad news is that with all of this choice, we're still figuring out how to make it work. And like you said, make it work on our own terms. And you're 100% correct that even the women who we look up to as role models, whether they're authors and we're reading their books or we're masterminding with them, they're mentoring us in some ways in our different disciplines and fields, et cetera. The people we're looking up to the women who have excelled, who have risen to leadership positions. And what you will see is that most of them have operated a lot more like the men have operated, right? They maybe have in their orientation, they may be more masculine in terms of their personality, their communication style. They may not be fully embodying their feminine or flat out rejecting it in some ways, but they also may have made decisions that feel more masculine in the sense that maybe they stayed single longer. Maybe they chose not to have children or they had fewer children. 
I am a tenured professor at USC, and I will tell you that that is not for the faint of heart, especially for women, because most of the tenured professors are still male. And the the female tenured professors who are from previous generations had to make a lot of sacrifices in order to get to where they were going. And for many of them, that looked like not getting to have the families that they wanted, not getting to have the whole lives that they wanted. And having to wait a long time. Yes, to have children and to create their families, et cetera, and a long time for their success and their comfort, right? To to get a tenure is a, you know, it can be a really long journey. It is long. It is long. I mean, the success that you've created is just out, is just outstanding. I'm so glad you mentioned, because I was girl about to mention it, you know, and because <laughs> I just want to speak to, you know, the, the primester and this being such an integral part of what is necessary and what is educated and how revolutionary you talk about being able to be in this time and to live in that space and still get to have all the things you want. I mean, you are a living testament of living that life, having the super sexy career, right? And getting to do what you love, not only, you know, it's it's one thing to have the super sexy career, but then to have it and do and do the things that you love is so, it's so, so incredible. But then to have, and have given yourself the space to have these three beautiful children, really having it all in a lot of ways. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And let me say something that I want every woman listening and even every man, every person listening to hear is that I'm not special. I created that intentionally and deliberately and you can too. And it's never too late to do that. And I don't care if you feel like your reproductive span may be closing as we speak and you're afraid because you're approaching your 35th birthday or your 40th birthday or even your 44th birthday. What you dream of having in your life is possible for you when you create that vision deliberately and you take steps every day that line up with that vision. And I will tell you that there were a lot of people along the way, who told me it was impossible, who told me I would fail, who punished me for succeeding or tried to punish me for succeeding. Some of them were men. Some of them were women. Maybe more of them were women, unfortunately. I like to call that the elephant on the glass ceiling, the elephant in the room, but on the glass ceiling, that it's women who often in day-to-day life make it harder for women, for other women to progress and to have, have it all, to have all the things that they want, because it feels bad to see that it's possible and that you didn't do it for yourself. And so I, I want you to know that I started my life with nothing. Literally. I had some, I had so little, I, my, my dad was amazing there, I'm one of five children. We had a lot of love and we didn't have much beyond that. And I really had no idea how I was going to do all the things that I wanted to do, but I was determined to do them. And I just kept looking around me and taking the ne- next best step right in front of me. And that's what I always tell my mamas to do when you're feeling overwhelmed or worried about your fertility or your biological clock or your pregnancy or anything else. Just take the next best step right in front of you. and. 
stay connected to your vision and stay connected to your belief in your vision and you, you will be unstoppable. And just because not everybody does it, doesn't mean that you can't do it. That's so powerful. There probably are a lot of mamas who, as they feel like they're getting older, um, they're wondering where their fertility stands. And then there's a lot of mamas who, you know, are really struggling with infertility in general. We're seeing levels of infertility continue to rise. I know this is an area of focus for you. Can you speak into what are some of the the why behind what we're seeing when it comes to infertility. And then I'd love to get into, I know some of the work in the premester is really also helping women to kind of address those infertility issues. Absolutely. I want to, I want to talk about what those factors are that seem to be driving the growing rates of fertility challenges. But before we do that, I want to say something really important and it is something radical compared to what you hear every day, but it's completely rooted in the science. And what I want people to understand is that there are very few people in the world who are truly infertile or sterile. And so we use the label of infertility a lot. And we hear statistics like one in eight couples are diagnosed as infertile. A lot of people get diagnosed with infertility because if they've been trying for six months or 12 months, depending on their age, and they haven't gotten pregnant yet, that qualifies as a diagnosis for infertility. However, the important thing to understand is that diagnoses in the medical care system are about being able to label something and mobilize resources for treatment. And so a diagnosis is is a necessary evil in our medical system, just like a diagnosis of depression or anxiety. In many ways, diagnoses fuel additional problems, but we need to use them to identify where we need to allocate resources or mobilize treatment. The statistic that nobody ever talks about that is very important for people to know about is what we call in science involuntary childlessness. And what this means is that if you look at people between the ages of 15 and 49 and you look at the ones who do not have children and they do not have children involuntarily, meaning it's not by choice, that is only approximately 3% of the U.S. population. And I know it seems strange to look at that in 15-year-olds, but the reason why we look at it in that age range is because it's something that we measure in populations throughout the world. And remember that in different populations in different countries, there are different cultural norms about the right age to begin having children. So what is so important about this involuntary childlessness statistic is that that 3% we believe is the closest approximation to true sterility and or infertility in the human population. And the reason why I want our mamas listening to know this is because if you knew that you only had 3% chances of succeeding at something, you would never do it. And so I don't want you to invest in this label, to invest in this identity of being quote unquote infertile, because chances are it has nothing to do with you. You may be experiencing conditions of subfertility, but the odds that you are truly infertile or truly sterile are very, very small. So here's what, when, when people use the 
diagnosis of infertility, here's how it's distributed. Approximately, and it's it's assessed usually in heterosexual couples, so I'm going to provide numbers based on that, but please know that at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, we celebrate and welcome all family formations, all couples, all love, and we serve everybody. So please understand that I'm I'm sharing these statistics. Based on the research. Exactly, exactly. So what we know is that fertility challenges 30% of the time are thought to originate in the female, 30% of the time in the male, 30% at the couple level, which most people don't know about. And then another 10% of fertility challenges are considered unexplained, meaning there's no known physical root for them. The 30% of fertility challenges that originate with the couple, probably some percentage of that 10% that's unexplained could be moved to the category of the couple level fertility challenges. What's interesting about couple level fertility challenges is that if you are with a different person, you may never know that you have experienced conditions of of subfertility because you might be with another partner who's so fertile that they push you over that threshold of subfertility, but it's somehow the two people in combination experience conditions of subfertility. And this is becoming more and more common and fertility challenges are becoming more and more common in both men and women for a number of reasons. So one of the reasons that people will talk about a lot is that people are just waiting longer to have children and that as we get older, our fertility diminishes. That does not have to be the case for everybody. That's the normal curve of the reproductive span, but there's a lot of individual variability in that normal curve. That's where we use the trimester to create that individual variability so that you don't have to look like the average person when it comes to your age and your reproductive potential or power. But we know that one of the explanations is people are waiting longer. But the other explanation, and this is this is really important, is that it's a consequence of modern life. And it's a consequence of modern life for both men and women. In fact, in the past four decades, we've seen an almost 50% decline in male fertility in terms of sperm quantity and quality. That is tremendous. That is an enormous change in that amount of time. We also have seen fertility challenges growing in women. We see women entering into early menopause, more often than they used to be. We see AMH levels, anti-malarian hormone levels, which are an indicator of functional ovarian reserve or how far away from from menopause you may be. We see that those levels declining earlier. We see more and more women in their 30s who have AMH levels that you would expect of women in their 40s. And this has a lot to do, again, with modern life and the accumulation of physiological and psychological stressors of modern life. So it can be things like sleeping less, which is, you know, as we run and run and run and try to be, live that masculine way of life where we're always pushing really hard, accomplishing more, getting more, having more, keeping up with others. Being, being competitive with ourselves and with others, 
we are pushing so hard. We are really depleting ourselves. And that depletion is starting in the cycle of our stress hormones, in the hypothalamus, in the brain, in the pituitary gland, in our adrenals. This is all affecting uh, this, the quality of our fertility and how long our fertility is lasting, which is why if we can start primestering even earlier, we can preserve and extend and amplify our fertility for longer. So we really want women and men and couples and people who are having fertility challenges to utilize the primester to help overcome those fertility challenges to help reverse reproductive aging to create that epigenetic that positive epigenetic change so for sure if you're having fertility challenges you want to use the primester but even before you get to the point of wondering if you're going to have fertility challenges or get pregnant easily what you can do for yourself and your babies and your grandbabies is start primestering in your 20s and your early 30s and preserving your fertility for as long as possible. And then you are in such a position of power. And like I said, we do see a dose response relationship of primestering to super baby. So the longer you primester, the better your fertility and pregnancy outcomes, as well as the better the outcomes for your children. So we're talking about their cognitive function, their own stress response, their immune function, function their digestive systems, their, their overall mental and physical health. We're helping to shape all of those things during the primester with this epigenetic change that we're creating. And it's not just our, our children who inherit, it crossed at least two generations we know from the scientific literature. Mm, that's so powerful. It's powerful. It is. And what's so interesting to me, and even, I mean, I guess I, I knew because I had done my research well before, but I think there's a there's an assumption that we should just be able to get pregnant when we want to get pregnant. And so we don't really think about having to do the work or, you know, something I see all the time, and I don't know if this is something you see all the time, but that women are put on birth control at a very young age, 17, 18, 19, even younger, um, depending on whatever the reason or the problem was. Oftentimes women are put on birth control because we do see abnormal menstrual cycles. And then they're told, just stay on this for as long as you want until you want to have a baby. And then they come off of their of the pill. And you know, not only are they dealing with post-birth control syndrome, their cycle isn't coming back, or maybe, maybe won't come back. You know, it depends on what the circumstances are. But I feel like the culture or society has been telling us that it should just be like that. And I'm so grateful that we're having this conversation because I know women are finding themselves very discouraged because they believed that. And now they're they're at this place where they're trying to get pregnant and it it is so massively discouraging because they didn't know that there needed to be that time period, that primester period where they were, they were kind of like upgrading those epigenetics, upgrading their body and the garden to get ready to welcome the, their baby souls in. Oh my God, Dr. Marisa, you said it and I could really 
just go on and on about this because it is a failure of our medical system. And it's also a failure of our society and our culture that we're not talking about these things. And when we are addressing them, that we're giving misinformation. I mean, one of the most common fertility challenges that people experience today, women experience today is polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS. Often the symptoms show up early and show up as irregular menstrual cycles and acne, all of the things that people, if you, you take your adolescent daughters into the, to the gynecologist for, they'll say, well, let's just put them on the pill for this. And this, one of the underlying factors that's often at play in polycystic ovarian syndrome is is insulin resistance and difficulties or issues with blood sugar control. And both of those things can be exacerbated by being on the birth control pill and especially for being on the birth control pill for long periods of time. So in essence, you're masking the symptoms and worsening the underlying problem, the root of the problem. This is a major, major issue. And something that I have to say at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, every single day, we are working to uncover and and recover and, and erase for people. And it's painful for them when it gets to that point. And it's, it's hard to see women going through that. Thankfully we have tremendous success rates and we can do it, but it's, it doesn't have to be this hard. And if we start having these conversations earlier and taking care of our biological clock and our fertility and our cycles earlier, our menstrual cycle should be considered a vital sign. Any other vital sign we start assessing the moment it is available to assess. So is, we we are measuring a baby's heart rate when they are still when in they're born. utero. Oh yeah, exactly. Yes. When someone's in labor, when a woman goes into labor, they'll be a, they'll be measuring the, the fetal heart rate the, during the entire labor so that if there's any issue with the heart rate of the baby, they'll they'll move the the labor forward more quickly or whatever it is. We, as soon as a vital sign is available to us, we start measuring it. When a baby's born, we start taking the baby's temperature, the baby's blood pressure. And as soon as the vital sign of the menstrual cycle is available, instead of masking it and really, again, living according to that masculine way of life where we don't want to be bothered with the cycles and how it makes us, how the, the different phases of our cycle make us feel, change our energy, change how we're living, whatever. We just, we just want to get rid of the problem. We just want to make it go away. So instead, if we could start measuring it, paying attention to it, loving it, getting to know it, that would change everything. So we, as one step of the Primester Protocol, we teach something called the Get Pregnant in No Time Formula. I use this step to plan for all three of my babies, my super babies, to be born in the month of March. And they all are. And that was intentional completely. That's impressive. Can we just take a moment? And what's even more impressive, and this is what I keep saying, if this is possible for you, there's nothing special about me, just that I utilized the trimester. What's even more impressive is that I was almost 35, 37, and 40 when they were born. So I was a quote unquote older mom. And you can still plan for when you want your babies to be born, even as an older mom. 
So this piece of the trimester protocol, the Get Pregnant in No Time formula, what's so powerful about it is that it teaches you how to identify your fertile window with the most perfect precision humanly possible without ultrasound. So if you are somebody who has your beautiful vital sign of your menstrual cycle and you're not yet ready to get pregnant, then what you can do is utilize the get pregnant in no time formula to identify your fertile window perfectly to avoid getting pregnant. In the meantime, you're not masking your cycle You're not harming your fertility. In fact, you're getting to know the ins and outs of your fertility like you never even knew was possible so that when it comes the time that you are ready to go for having your babies, you already know your fertility like the back of your hand and you are in your full power and self-authority when it comes to your own body and your own fertility. And so this is what I highly recommend for people instead of using hormonal birth control to mask their fertility and their their biological clock and their cycle to to manage their cycle using this method. And in the process of preventing pregnancy, they're learning so much about their cycle so that when they're ready to get pregnant, it will be so easy for them. And the earlier we start doing this, the better by the time, if you start doing this in your twenties, what I was just sharing with, we have a, a private Facebook group called the art and science of getting pregnant. I still use the get pregnant in no time formula to this day. And I still have the same cycle that I had in my twenties uh, and I'll be 42 in a couple of weeks. So it's a 28 day cycle my peak fertility days are days 13 and 14. I start, I have high, high fertility starting day nine. That is how beautiful and stable your cycle can be and how beautifully it can work for you when you trimester and you take care of it and you take time to learn about it. So look, I might, I might have one more baby. We're in discussions about it. And I know because I've been watching my fertility through the get pregnant in no time formula and also through annual hormone testing, which I highly recommend. And and we can share a list of, of tests that I recommend for people that assess the full fertility system, not just AMH, which is what will commonly be tested. If you go to your doctor and say, I want to know what my fertility looks like. So because I've been watching through the get pregnant in no time formula and through my annual testing, if I had seen any big shift I would know. It would signal to me, oh, you need to pay attention to this. Oh, your fertility might be diminishing a little bit. If you haven't had your babies yet, now's a good time to pay attention. Now's a good time to start taking action if you haven't started trimestering yet. So there's so many good reasons to do this for ourselves. And I really believe that as we do this for ourselves, when we're raising our daughters, we will teach them differently to love their bodies, to love their cycle, to not try to make it go away or gloss over it, but to get to know it and the wisdom that it has for them. And it had the wisdom that it has for the timing of their lives. Because I always say trust in the timing of your life and trust in the timing of your baby. And when you know you're listening, you can especially trust in the timing of your life and the timing of your baby. 
Mm, I love that so, so much. Dr. Cleopatra, oh my gosh, you have shed so much light on, you know, how we can nourish our body, how we can set the stage for our fertility, but also our overall health. As you said, you know, both, both of us know that our menstrual cycle is a vital sign to us as women and diminishing that or putting that to the wayside, you can't shelf your menstrual cycle as much as we were told at one point that we could. Now, if someone is in that phase, maybe they're entering into their 30s or they're thinking that they want to get pregnant, or maybe they've been trying to get pregnant and to no avail, it is just not panning out for them. How do we plug them into you? What can we do to get them in front of you? Okay. So first thing I want to say is if you, especially for those of you who have been trying and trying and you feel like nothing else has worked and you've been trying for months or years or even more than a decade, and we have seen it all, I promise you, I want you to know that if you haven't addressed your full fertility system, that there's still hope for you, even if you feel like you've tried it all. And what I want you to know is remember that fertility triangle, you can't outsource it. It's just like eating well and exercising, no matter how much money we have, how many resources we have, there's nobody who can do that for us. And the same thing is true with our fertility triangle and taking care of our biological clock and fertility. We can utilize the incredible technology that is IVF, but even IVF can't ensure that you have healthy embryos. It can only help to ensure that you only transfer healthy embryos. You cannot outsource your fertility triangle, but if you have not worked at each level of your fertility triangle, there is still hope for you, I promise you. So I just want to say that, number one. Number two, we have the Primester Protocol. That is our signature system. We have programs for each stage of the mommy life cycle. So once you're pregnant, we, we're your village the whole way through. We have Super Baby, the pregnancy and parenting program that we bring you into. We have baby-proofed ambition for when your baby arrives and you're like, oh my God, now how do I do all the things that I need to do as a mom and a woman and in my career and all of that or my business or whatever it may be. So, but the place to start, if you're thinking about getting pregnant in the future, you want to get pregnant now, or you've been struggling to get pregnant is to do the primester protocol and you can do a self-paced version of it twice a year. We do live cohorts or groups, which that's really fun because you get to go through it with a bunch of other women and couples. So the place to go is fertilitypregnancy.org. And right there on the front page, you can either download our fertility checklist or just find out what's available for the Primester protocol, whether we have a live cohort starting or you you can just enroll in the self-paced version right there. And that's a great place to start. If you're not sure if the Primester protocol is right for you, then what I would recommend that you do is sign up for a fertility strategy consultation with the FPI team. And you can go to fertilitypregnancy.org forward slash consult. Perfect. And I will make sure to have all of those links inside of the show notes. You guys can grab them easily and readily and get in front of Dr. Cleopatra's team. Dr. Cleopatra, thank you so much. Not only do I love you personally as a dear friend and as just an just amazing woman who loves you as an amazing woman, I just am so grateful that you are out here doing this work for us because there is so much misinformation and there's so much misunderstanding about our reproductive health and you have not only made it feel so easy, you've also made it feel so good. 
And that takes something that takes a special kind of person to be able to do that. I love you so much, Dr. Marisa. You are a blessing and an honor to our world. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for sharing about the Primester with your community. I love you so much. See you soon, my love. <laughs> See you soon. As you learned in today's interview, Dr. Cleopatra has devoted her life's work to helping mamas not only get pregnant, but to also change the quality and expression of their genes that they pass down to their babies and grandbabies. This groundbreaking research is literally what she does every day at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. She has worked with thousands of mamas and soon-to-be mamas and helping them to create the experience and the super babies they were so longing for. Now, now that you know a little bit about Dr. Cleopatra and her mission, I wanted to invite you to go and check her out. If you're in this phase in your life where you're thinking about starting a family or you're already trying and you're having struggles with infertility, Dr. Cleopatra is someone to absolutely dial into and she works with people all over the world. Now I am going to be sharing a link to schedule a free consultation with her or another link to just check out her website because she has programs and all kinds of incredible information with there. She will also be releasing a book sometime soon that's going to be going over her coveted pre-master protocol. Now, the links are going to be in the show notes for episode 204. And you can also find them on my website at drmarisa.com slash podcast. And I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. Coming up on Q&A Friday, I am going to be talking about the best supplements for your thyroid. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I focus a lot on thyroid health, mainly because I have had thyroid issues in the past and still always working to support my thyroid. This is a question that I get very, very often out in the world. And so I thought I would address it by giving you what I consider to be the best foundational and specialized type of supplements for helping to support one of the most important endocrine glands inside of your body. Until then, have an amazing day. 